0: Let's dive in now. Hello, savvy souls. So today I want to talk to you about something I've noticed about my clients and about the people who follow me and listen to me. And I think it's because a lot of you are high achievers and I consider myself a high achiever too. And I can relate to that. What we do is we start getting perfectionist about everything. Have you noticed? And when we're introduced into thought models, and I'll tell you in a moment what that means, into ways of being aware of how we think and feel and how that drives our actions and creates the results in our lives, we start to bring a lot of our perfectionist tendencies to our thought work. We start to be our own toughest task masters. When we're doing the thought work, when we're looking at our thoughts, we start believing that we need to be doing this work perfectly. We start believing there's a perfect way to think. And how I know I'm not doing it perfectly is when I'm in this trap of believing that I need to be always thinking in the most useful, productive, positive way about whatever's happening to me at all times. So I'm recording this podcast for you, and it's about loosening the tyranny of positive thinking. And by that, what I mean is thinking that we need to always have positive thoughts and then shaming ourselves for not having the positive thoughts. So let's step back and look at what thought work really is and what it's supposed to do for us, how it actually can be helpful and where it goes wrong. Let's start with what thought work is not. It's not memorizing positive prescriptions or mantras to try to shift how we think about stuff. It's not looking at yourself in a mirror if you've always thought your nose was too big and you don't like it and practicing saying to yourself, I'm so beautiful, I'm so beautiful, or I love my nose, I love my nose. Because if your practice is just looking in a mirror and practicing saying a thought you'd like to believe, but you don't actually believe it, what you're doing is activating another part of your brain to argue, to say, no, I'm not beautiful. I've got this big nose that I hate. Doing that isn't useful at all. You're just reinforcing your own negative views about your appearance. So thought work isn't about positive affirmations that you repeat in the mirror like that. If you already believed those things you're practicing if you already believed that you love your nose for example you wouldn't need to practice this thought right repeating a thought you don't believe isn't really that useful except when and this is really the only circumstance i can think of when all you need is a reminder of a different way to think about something that's easy for you to believe when you remember that that alternative thought exists So for example, suppose you have a habit of believing you don't belong. And you've noticed that something you tell yourself in a lot of situations without really being conscious of that thought. And when you tell yourself you don't belong, you're not questioning it. You're just believing it's true that you don't belong. In that case, it may actually be useful to have stickers around your house that say, I belong everywhere I go. And that alternative thought, when you actually reflect on it, might actually be the truer thought for you. It might just be the reminder you need to examine why it is true that you belong everywhere you go. And so when you see the I don't belong pattern coming up, the stickers remind you of the thought that you already do belong and you feel better immediately because you actually believe that alternative thought. Let's look more generally at thought work and why it's recommended to To begin with, let's look more generally at thought work and why it's even recommended to begin with. Let's step back into what I mean by thought work. Thought work or thought models is the expression I used earlier, is just noticing your patterns of thinking and how those affect you. It's becoming aware of your thoughts and separating them from your circumstances and also separating your thoughts from you. There's a few different ways to go about thought work. A classical approach is to get up in the morning and do a stream of consciousness thought download. That means you take a journal or a pad of paper and you write down everything that seems to go through your mind, however important or unimportant it feels to you. If you're thinking, oh, I hate journaling, you write down that thought. Oh, I hate journaling. It's often surprising to see what's going on in your mind. This stream of consciousness morning journaling became very popular after The artist Wake came out decades ago, and millions of people bought that book. The author, Julia Cameron, recommended something that she calls the morning pages. She said to just write nonstop for three journal pages, write down everything that goes through your mind, even if it's just thinking, I hate doing morning pages, or this is so boring. You can call this doing a thought download. You're writing down whatever goes through your mind so you can see it on the page in front of you. You then read it over to see what you've been thinking. Sometimes what you write down is actually kind of surprising. You had absolutely no idea you were thinking that. So it can be a really revealing process and very useful. Another similar approach is to pick a topic, something that's been bothering you. Something you're trying to do, but not doing something you're doing, but you don't like something someone else is doing, you don't like, et cetera, basically anything that's a problem. And you write down all your thoughts about why that particular situation bothers you. And again, you read it over and often you'll discover some thoughts you didn't even know you were thinking, or when you see those thoughts in paper, they don't have the same gravity or force to them that they did when you were just thinking them or you question whether you really believe them. Now, some people recommend that this thought work always be done in writing or even in handwriting. For some people, that may reveal more what's going on in your mind, but there are no rules here. I'm never going to give you absolutes on anything. You can write up your thoughts on a device, on your phone or your iPad or your computer, if that's quicker and more natural for you. Or you can record your thoughts in a voice memo app then go back and listen to what you said. And again, notice the things you said that you hadn't realized you were thinking. It's all about building your awareness. A refinement of that when you're looking at the thoughts afterwards is to do an exercise where you divide what you wrote down into two categories. One category is the circumstances and one category is your thoughts about the circumstances. Circumstances are just things that are facts. They're the things that Everyone would agree were true because they're not an outcome of someone's judgment. Facts aren't affected by personal opinions or judgments or value systems. They're not subjective. An example is, I went for a walk. That's a fact. It's something you did. There's nothing subjective about it. In the thought category would be any thoughts you had about the walk. For example, I went for a pleasant walk. That's a thought because you're thinking the walk was pleasant. Someone else could go for the exact same walk and not think it was pleasant at all because they like different kinds of weather or scenery than you do, or maybe they don't even like walking at all. Separating your thoughts from the facts after you've done a thought download is a super useful exercise because it shows you how much of what you're thinking isn't factual. Most of what passes through your mind are your subjective judgments about things, which is good news because subjective judgments are something within your power and control to some extent, which we will get to in a moment. So after you do a thought download, look at everything you wrote and notice all the statements that are opinions and judgments and perceptions and something subjective, thoughts, and all the things that are just pure facts. So this process is really, really useful. It helps you build insight into your thoughts It helps you discover patterns of thinking. It helps you understand the subjective element involved in your thinking. It helps show you how it really is your thoughts about situations that affect your experience of life and affect everything you do. So for example, let's say you wake up and you're hoping to go for a nice walk with your dogs, but you get outside and it's just pouring down rain. You go and it's gray and you get wet. You go back to the house and you say, this is going to be a shitty day. You're believing that the rain obviously makes it a shitty day. You think the rain is what made your walk unpleasant. But the truth is rain's just neutral. It's just a circumstance. It's just a fact. What made your day feel terrible was you thinking, damn, it shouldn't be raining. Or I'm so disappointed. I was expecting it to be sunny. Or I was looking forward to a nice dry walk and now I'm all wet. It's these thoughts that are making you feel terrible. And then you're taking that terrible feeling forward into your day and you're letting your day be bad. In fact, you could be thinking differently about your walk in the rain, not just making up stuff you don't believe, like what I talked about earlier, but coming up with different thoughts you could believe. Such as thoughts about how you've got a fantastic coat you bought in Norway that keeps you toasty, warm, and dry while you're walking, and noticing that even though your coat is wet, once you took it off, you're perfectly dry. Or you could think about how the scent of the rain made a fresh smell of the soil. You could be thinking about how that smell connects you with nature. Or you could decide the walk was fantastic because there were no cars in the road, because everybody else was hunkering down at home, avoiding the rain. And so you were able to enjoy your walk in rare solitude. Or you could focus on how the patterns of the rain clouds against the darkened sky is visually interesting. There were cool shapes, amazing lighting, and the walk felt like an artistic experience. So when you're doing thought work like that, you're separating out the actual circumstances from your thoughts about them, and you're gaining a greater degree of control over what you think and how that makes you feel. Once you develop this tool of awareness, it's also cool because you start to realize in a subtle way that your thoughts aren't you. This is important when you tend to make the error of confusing you with your thoughts like so many of us do. For example, you think a lot of thoughts that make you feel grumpy, and then you start believing you're just a grumpy person, but that's not true. Right now, you're just a person who's got in the habit of thinking thoughts that make you feel grumpy. That's it. You're not inherently grumpy. You weren't born grumpy. You're just having some grumpy-causing thoughts, and you can solve that by noticing what you're thinking that makes you feel grumpy and asking yourself what else you could be thinking instead, so long as it's something that you actually believe about the circumstances that wouldn't make you feel so grumpy. If you tell yourself you're a grumpy person, that it's like an inherent quality you're somehow born with, that's pretty hard to change. But if you're just in the habit of thinking grumpy thoughts, that's less of a challenge to change. So thought work helps you start to see the separation between you and your thoughts. You start seeing your thoughts as just something that happens in your head. In one sense, you're reaching the same point that serious meditators do without the meditation. You're watching your thoughts float through your mind and you're not making them mean anything about who you are. You're not taking them personally. You're developing the ability to not believe them. I think you'll have noticed from this brief description of what thought work is, the impact of the thoughts you choose on your emotions. I've kind of subtly included that in the examples I've given. So in my RAIN example, Thinking the first way, focusing on your unmet expectations about the walk, would leave you feeling disappointed and disgruntled, whereas thinking about the raincoat you bought in Norway might have you feeling grateful, or about the good smell of the rain have you feeling enjoyment, or thinking about the uncrowded street help you to feel peaceful, or thinking about the pattern of the clouds help you to feel a sense of awe and wonder. This is so powerful, this connection between your thoughts and how you feel. Once you discover it, there's this tremendous feeling of capability. There's this tremendous feeling of, oh, I never have to feel bad again. This is amazing. And this, Savvy Souls, is where your perfection kicks in. This is where all you high achievers who want to do it right decide you're going to make sure to think the right thoughts so you'll feel good all the time from now on. You start to believe there are right thoughts and wrong thoughts. And when you notice yourself thinking in ways that make you feel bad, ways that make you not show up the way you want to show up, and yet you're struggling to change your thoughts to the ones that would help you feel better, then what happens is you tell yourself you're not doing the thought work right. You scold yourself for not being more intentional in your thinking. You scold yourself for feeling bad. This is what I'm calling in this episode, thought shaming or thought tyranny. It's what people mean when they talk about the toxicity of positive thinking, believing that you should be thinking in positive ways that make you feel good all of the time, basically self-blaming anytime you feel bad. This is where I want you to give yourself a break because there's absolutely nothing useful about scolding yourself for not being able to think differently about something There's absolutely nothing useful about thought shaming. So let me give you a typical example of thought shaming. Suppose you notice you're feeling stuck in your job. You spend a lot of time thinking about how you're stuck. You tell yourself, oh, I'm stuck. There's nowhere else to go. I don't know what else I'd do. No one else would want me. And those thoughts make you feel trapped, uncertain, doubtful, ashamed or whatever. And when you feel that way, you don't look at alternatives. You make assumptions about the lack of opportunities. You don't think outside the box. You don't investigate other possibilities, and you don't think creatively. And now you're aware of all this. You see how those thoughts are creating your feelings, and you see how those thoughts and feelings are not causing you to take action that would help you get unstuck. You decide Okay, now that I've seen that, I'm going to think differently from now on. You decide to think from now on, it's possible there's something else for me out there. Or if I think creatively, I can come up with a dozen alternatives. So you keep trying to think in this new way, but after a couple of days, when you do your morning thought do- downloads you find that you've slipped back into the same old original thoughts about being stuck and there's nowhere else to go and you don't know what else you'd like to do and you don't know who else would want you. And you notice those thoughts continue to make you feel trapped and uncertain and doubtful and ashamed the way you did originally. And then what happens is you look at the whole situation, including what you notice yourself thinking and feeling about it, and you tell yourself, oh, this is terrible, I should be able to stop thinking this way. I need to get out of this pattern. I'm stuck in my thoughts about being stuck. And when you think these thoughts about how you're still thinking, you feel very self-critical, you feel discouraged, and you feel inadequate. What you're doing, Savvy Souls, is you're layering criticisms of yourself on top of your existing thoughts, your existing thoughts that you want to change. You're actually doubling down in your negative thinking. And this is what I'm calling thought shaming or thought tyranny. You're believing that now you've developed this capacity for awareness, this capacity to look at your thoughts and examine them and see what they create or don't create for you, that you should be able to execute a fix. You should be able to take back control of what you're thinking. And when you can't do this, you're shaming yourself for not being able to do that. And that savvy souls isn't being perfectionist. It's just not useful. What you're doing is you're taking thought work, which is simply at the end of the day, just an awareness tool. And you're making that awareness tool, a weapon you're pointing at yourself. So in the rest of this episode, what I want to do is to give you an alternative approach. I want to share with you what you can do when you've noticed you have a pattern of thinking that doesn't serve you, but you haven't been able to shift that thinking to something that feels better. Here's the exact process that I want you to follow. Look at the thoughts that you're thinking about dispassionately, even when the thoughts are the same thoughts you've been thinking 60 days in a row. And you're aware of alternative thoughts. You could be thinking that if you believed would feel a lot better, but you don't actually believe those alternative thoughts or you don't believe them all the time. And you feel pretty damn frustrated with the whole process. So I want you to just write down those thoughts without making a judgment about yourself for having thought them. And notice how the thoughts you wrote down make you feel. And notice what actions you took when you thought and felt that way. In other words, do keep practicing the awareness you're developing. But here's the part, you're not going to shame yourself for it. What you're going to do is you're going to say to yourself, I'm a human. Of course, my brain wants me to think this way. Of course, my brain doesn't want me to change because it thinks all change is bad. My brain wants to keep me safe. And so it doesn't want me to change the way I think. My brain's just doing its job. Tell yourself nothing's gone wrong. Tell yourself my brain thinks, then repeat whatever the thoughts are. And that's okay. Then what I want you to do is notice how the thoughts you're trying to stop thinking and keep thinking make you feel. And I want you to allow yourself to feel that way. I want you to allow the critical, discouraged, or inadequate feeling emotions, or whatever other emotion it is that those thoughts produce for you. I want you to sit with your eyes closed and just allow the feelings. That means just allow them to be there. Don't fight them. Don't resist them. And it can help to talk to the feelings. It can help to say, hey, I know you're here because you want to keep me safe. Tell the feelings, it's all right for you to be here. Ask the feelings, what do you want me to know that I haven't been noticing? Ask the feelings, do you want to tell me anything? Notice that feeling the feelings doesn't hurt you in any way. Notice that the feelings just create vibrations in your body. Notice that you can deal with those vibrations. Tell yourself that it's okay to think and feel the way you do. So allowing the feelings and actually feeling into them is really useful because when you allow feelings in your body, they don't have the same hold on you as when you try to resist them. They won't live in your body as deeply and they won't keep producing the same negative thinking when you allow them to be there. So all of this is to generate kindness and compassion for your brain that wants to keep you safe and keeps thinking thoughts you'd prefer not to think. So Savvy Souls, I think you'll find this practice tremendously helpful. You're stepping out of thought shaming, which is super freeing, and you're stepping into self-compassion. This is really the point of thought work. It's to help you build awareness, not to give you further ammunition for self-criticism. It's to empower you to be who you are, to be as kind to yourself as you can, to take your power where you can find it, in the last episode I talked about expansion about what your life can look like when you live expansively. But I also talked about the reason you might not already be living expansively and that's because of all of the mind cheddar, the self-criticisms and the scary thoughts your brain regularly offers to keep you from changing. In order to live expansively, you need to know how to cut through the BS. That your brain dishes out for you and that stands between you and the dreams you haven't been able to execute the ideas you haven't been able to express or the small or seismic shifts you haven't been able to make in the magic room experience which is my new group coaching experience beginning june 28th this is the one i talked about last week we're going to examine the way you approach things and the way you make decisions we're going to look at the way you do or don't get in touch with your inner guidance to navigate forward and make better choices for yourself. We're going to help you navigate to a more empowering and freeing approach to life that will make it feel like a constant journey of exploration and new experience. So you're not just doing the same thing and making the same choices over and over again. And all of this, quite frankly, is going to bring up this issue of thought shaming because you're going to be shifting and changing things. And it's partly going to feel great. And it's partly going to bring up all those thoughts that have kept you from doing this before. And that will all be fine because you'll develop the beautiful gift of self-compassion. And that, Savvy Souls, is one of the most expansive feelings you can learn to create for yourself. When you have compassion for yourself, When you believe in your inherent worthiness and your unlimited capabilities, when you finally acknowledge you're who you are, and that's exactly who you need to be at any time, your world will expand. If you'd like to get the details about the Magic Room experience, what it involves, how much it costs, how to apply, just sign up for my creative expansion newsletter so you don't miss any of the announcements. You can do that by going to www.gracedcanvas.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-D is in dog, C-A-N-V-A-S. And you can find a subscription link to my newsletter at the bottom of any of the tabs. So savvy souls, I'll leave you with this thought. Set an intention to be compassionate with yourself, to not judge any of your thoughts. And if you forget to be compassionate with yourself, I want you to practice being compassionate about you forgetting and so on. See you all next week. Bye now. So, if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners remember, it's finally your time to do what you want